Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning and welcome to another day of prayer morning Bible study lesson. We're excited to be here to get in the Word and for everyone that's joined us. We're excited. God bless you. But let's get to the Word, all right? So right before we do that, Charles, why don't you open us up in prayer? Lord, I thank you for today. Lord, I thank you for today, Lord. Just thank you for everything that you've been doing for us, Lord, and blessing this Bible study and making it where we can grow in you, Lord. Lord, I also thank you for everybody who's present and all those who are going to be here, Lord. And Lord, I just ask that you continue to bless us and show us what you have for us in your word, Lord. Mm -hmm. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 All right, so uh, typically what we're doing is going over First Samuel. But uh, we just wrapped up chapter 6 yesterday. And the Lord put in our hearts to... to we're going to discuss it, but we're going to hit a pause real quick because there's an important topic that we, we should probably get into a little more to provide a little more clarity. Mm -hmm. And in going over chapter 5, but especially chapter 6, it would be easy for someone to walk away with the idea that the Lord punishes us through sickness. So what we want to take today, and I want to take, I mean, being led to take time today and discuss how that's inaccurate. The Lord does not use sickness to punish us. Or teach us. Or teach us, exactly. Um, so we want to help everyone get the, get the Lord's perspective. Come into the Lord's thoughts and his perspective on how, well, on how he teaches us, but to sickness and what is the result of. All right, but um, to kick it off, if you will, we first have to get a, a perspective of the Lord, who he is, his ways, his thoughts, his omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence. And uh, if you could turn with me to Exodus 34. I'm going to begin in verse 5. And this is the Lord's revelation to Moses. This is here in the wilderness. But he, as the Lord, states who he is. This is his own witness, his own his testimony of himself. So I think this is important. And it begins in verse 5. Can I have someone... Five through seven, please. <clears throat> I'll read it. Okay. Now the Lord ascended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the, Lord, the name of the Lord. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. Mm -hmm. 
So the Lord's testimony of himself was being merciful, gracious, long-suffering or patient, and abounding in goodness and truth. Now, this isn't the first time the Lord's given this revelation of himself. Uh, you find it in uh, chapter 20 of Exodus, and you find it in other places in the Word. But uh, this is consistent throughout the entirety of the Word. All right, James, in James chapter 1, verse 17, tells us that every good and perfect gift is from above. And comes down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Mm -hmm. Right, and then if you, you can even continue in verse 18, of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Right? So what, can, we, can we just touch on that for just a second? Absolutely. What that means is there's no variation in him or shadow of turning. He, you're not going to get his good side than his bad side, and then you know casting shadows. And he's not. Um, he's not fickle. He's not fickle. Um, was it Hebrews? I think that says he's not yes and no. The promises of God are not yes and no, but yes and amen. But yes and amen. He is a good God, and he is constant. He is consistent, and he's the same yesterday, today. And forever. That's right. So which is echoed in Malachi mm -hmm. chapter 3, verse 6. He says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Mm -hmm. Therefore you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. But the fact that he says, I do not change. Mm -hmm. I am the same. Mm -hmm. I'm constant and I'm consistent, is what he is saying. Yeah. James calls him the father of lights, not mm -hmm. the father of light and darkness. That's the point of there's no shadow or variation. Exactly. There's not a dark side to God and then a, a light side. He's not good and bad. He's good only. Absolutely. So there's that. Uh, just so we can understand who the Lord is. Mm -hmm. And he is goodness and good. And he's holy. He's pure. He's perfect. Yes, he is. He, cannot will evil on people, but then say, hey, I'm righteous. Right. That, that is a, those are opposing diametrics. Yes. They, they contradict, those are contradictions. Absolutely. And when Jesus came in his, his physical earthly ministry, he addressed those things. The, the children of Israel held things as truth about God, but they were misguided and they were in error. And so he explained a lot of those things to them in saying, um, we all remember, this is Matthew chapter 12. Um, you guys can turn there if you like. Where they were saying that, um, let's see, verse 22. He, then, I'll just read it to you. Then one was brought to him who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him. So that the blind and mute man both spoke and saw. And all the multitudes were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? Now the Pharisees heard this, heard it. I'm sorry, now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself 
will not stand. If Satan casts out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then will his kingdom stand? And if I cast out demons by Beelzebub, by whom do your sons cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. If, but if I cast out demons by the Spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. So Jesus is making making known to them and clarifying their their thoughts concerning the Lord. He is not a yes and no God. He's not, I'm going to put some sickness on you, but then I'll take it away later. That's not how he is. But yet, instead, he's letting them know also that there are spiritual laws in action and in play Absolutely. that you cannot see with your natural eye or your natural mind doesn't necessarily pick them up because they're spiritually discerned. But they are true and in fact going on around you. We could take the example. Um, you want to go back to Genesis? Yes. Um, yeah, we can discuss Genesis. That's, that's a good place to I was put actually going to look at Samuel first. Okay. And just to get a more clarification on, on what we were discussing, which was how the, the people of Israel. When the Lord had returned to them, they they celebrated, right? and mm -hmm. you find this specifically in chapter six, verses thirteen through twenty-one. Mm -hmm. They celebrated the return of the Lord. Uh, by the return of the Lord, I mean the Ark mm -hmm. of the Lord. But then, and this is you know where the Lord resided on the mercy seat. Mm -hmm. But they pushed it out of the way. They clearly peered into the Ark. Mm -hmm. uh, even after celebrating and, and revering the Lord through you know. Uh, a sacrifice, uh, mm -hmm. an offering. But then, just as fast, they had pushed the Lord out of the way, peered into the ark, and then it says that 50,000 men were struck down. Over 50,000 um, men were struck down uh, as a result, and then the people lamented. Um, it says, But it says, because the Lord had struck down the people with a great slaughter. And then the people, as a result, said, hey, uh, they, they sent messengers and said that the ark's returned. Mm -hmm. More or less, come pick this up and remove this from mm -hmm. our midst. But um, so that's the point where we were getting where we, we have to come into a right perspective, the Lord's perspective, on he doesn't teach us through sickness, mm -hmm. right? We can go all the way back on, you brought this up, Genesis chapter 4. And this is, anyone that's familiar with this, will, or when you turn there, will realize that this is concerning with Cain and Abel. And Cain, it says in verse 5, that the Lord did not respect Cain in his offering. And it says that Cain was angry and his countenance fell. And then, now, we have teaching. It says, the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? And in verse 7, this is key. He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door and its mm -hmm. desire is for you. Mm -hmm. But you should rule over it. Okay. But then in verse 8, we see that Cain rose up and killed his brother. But we see Jesus teaching, or Jesus, we see the Lord teaching here, Cain. Now, there's some key points just in that verse. 
He's instructing him, but he says, sin lies at the door. What door? These are, these are people that lived in the garden. Mm-hmm. So, or even when they were removed from the garden, right, they still had the Lord's protection. Yes, they, they, they may have had a house, but again, this is dealing with spiritual laws. You, can't, you couldn't see sin knocking at the door, but this goes to, you, could, you can learn from, from David. He says it throughout the Psalms, how the Lord is his tall tower, uh, his fortress. He is a shield and a buckler, right? He is his protector. In other words, the Lord is providing a covering mm-hmm. over Cain, over his people. He's protecting them. That, that's what, that's the, the big takeaway here. The Lord is protecting them. Now, and if we continue in this, Cain did not choose to to remain in that protection, but he stepped out from the covering. He killed his brother Abel, and then the Lord comes again. And he says, he asks him, what has he done? The voice of his brother, of Abel, cried out to him from the ground. And then he says, the Lord judged Cain. He says, so now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond you shall be on earth. And then Cain said, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. I shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will happen that anyone who finds me will kill me. And then in verse 15, the Lord says to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain, vengeance will be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone finding him should kill him. So we were just talking about spiritual loss. Mm-hmm. Yes, the Lord was there as a covering, protecting Cain, until Cain chose to step out from that covering, setting in motion spiritual laws. There were consequences as a result of sin. There's, you can look at Leviticus 26 and Deuteronomy 28. There's in depth on yeah here's the blessings and the benefits of remaining under the covering the protection of the lord in the first few verses and then for the rest of the chat of each chapter after it talks about the blessings there are consequences and it goes into those in great detail but we see here even in verse 15 that yes cain there is some some repentance right there's an acknowledgement it and he, he's, his concern, Cain's concern in verse 14, is that he would be hidden from the Lord's face, which he, he did not want. So in the Lord's face is safekeeping yes. and protection, his presence, right? If I cannot stay with you, God, I won't be safe. So James chapter 1 says, each man is, that no one say that when they're tempted, that they're tempted by God, exactly. right? Each man is tempted when they are drawn away by their own lust, Right, and then when um, desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So the wages of sin is death. Yes. So keep that in mind. This is a spiritual law and truth that doesn't change for anybody. It doesn't matter what your reasoning for it is. It doesn't matter who you are, what age, your time frame, 
era in the world world position that you lived place of authority whether you're a pastor or you're not or it doesn't matter the wages of sin is death right hence we needed a sinless spotless lamb to redeem us permanently right have enough power to break the power of the enemy and the entitlement that he had from people sinning adam and eve had a commandment right following the commandment is walking in covenant with the lord disobeying the commandment is what sin right and so god didn't curse her eve and adam he didn't curse them he told them now this is the result of what you've done you've opened the door to this when he said to cain sin lies at the door it's the door to your life it lies at the door do you let it into your own life are you letting it into the environment the atmosphere around you are you giving it a foothold and permission to, because the end result of sin is death right so the bible talks to us about sowing and reaping right cain sowed as a man sows he will reap also exactly cain sowed murder correct among a couple of other things and his concern clearly being stated was about being killed himself because that when you commit sin that's the penalty right so and especially it sin takes you away from god in god is the protection the safekeeping the covering right um so he's not cursing them he's explaining to them hey when you do this because you've done this now you've allowed all of these things to come into you and because of the position that adam and eve held it had a wider implication than what they thought about because they had children coming after them which goes to parents Mm -hmm. when the parents allow sin to come into their home and their household and they let it run rampant in their life their children are affected by it right so that's a yes he gave them a mantle and a mandate that allowed them to cover all of population and to be the the gateway protector of whether or not sin had an opportunity to come into the earth that's how the sin nature got in and we today are individual but your household also falls under you if you're a parent and even things before you um that if you have a you cultivate unrighteousness it begins to weave a little tapestry for you and follow you in places that you didn't think of that you think oh wait the seeds were planted and then Mm -hmm. they they also bring forth fruit right not Mm -hmm. good fruit but more like weeds or or vines Mm -hmm. right they they grow in in areas where we don't want them to grow Mm -hmm. and they've got to be dealt with they got to be removed Mm -hmm. at the root yeah so that they don't cause further damage so spiritual laws like if we could equate it to a natural law that we all know about is gravity you can't see gravity you can't point to go that's gravity you can see the results of gravity but you cannot see gravity itself and gravity is a pretty powerful law on the earth it's what holds us to the ground so we're not all floating around and bumping into each other or nothing's flying just through the air you know on its own like just floating around um, purposely but the law of lift and thrust supersedes the law of gravity that's how airplanes fly but as soon as they stop coming stop 
enacting or engaging the law of lift and thrust, they have to come back down, right? Which part of that is the speed and then having the little flaps on the plane that catches, catches the air and causes it to rise and then they continue in speed. That's how birds fly, et cetera, et cetera. They, they engage these laws, but they're still here. So if we could equate that and parallel it with a spiritual law, the law of sin and death is superseded by the law of life and grace in Jesus Christ. His blood, right, when we come underneath it and we stay underneath it, we enact that grace that causes us to ride over the law of sin and death. It causes us to be free from that. Right, Paul right? says that the law of life has made me free from the law of sin and death. Amen. Absolutely. So, God is the same. When he made Adam and Eve, let's, let's look at these two truths together. Under the blood of Jesus, we supersede and we ride over the law of sin and death. Right? And we are kept safe and protected. And if you have sown seeds in the past, you can still bring those under the blood of Jesus, and he will help you work through them, right? Just a little side note, just to put that in your pocket. Mm -hmm. But back to Adam and Eve, they were in the garden in the presence of the Lord, which was their covering. And it's to the mm -hmm. point that they had no need for clothes, clothing. They were naked. naked. Right? That was their presence. In, in there, they were safe from the wickedness that was clearly around them already. Satan was in the earth because he's communicating with the little serpent to hatch a little scheme. So clearly he was already there lurking around somewhere. <clears throat> Excuse me. So just like now, sin is in the earth. Or the enemy is in the earth, should I say that? The enemy's here. But under Jesus, we ride over those things just like they had protection. Our, when we stay in the covering, which is keeping his commandments, we are safe, right? But the moment you disengage from being under his covering and go and do, enact in things that God didn't ask you to do, that he specifically said no, what do we do? We engage in sin. We open the door for sin. And when sin comes in, it brings the whole gang. And the big friend is, not a friend, but the big companion it brings with it is death. And there's varying degrees of death, but the ultimate one is spiritual death, right? Eternal separation from God, which is usually preceded by physical death. Yes. Does that make sense? But also as an example to the covering, you can look at the children of Israel when they were slaves in the land of Egypt, right? And the plagues were happening. Since we were also talked about that, and it was mentioned here in Samuel, uh, as we were going over it, it talks about the plagues in Egypt. Well, if you read that, that section of scripture, you will find that the, the children of Israel, while they were slaves, were in the land of Goshen, but none of the plagues touched them. Even when the land was covered in darkness, they still had light. When everything else, whether there were frogs, or there were whatever plague was upon the land of Egypt, or all of them at the same time, none of them touched them. Nothing touched them. The Lord was covering them. He was protecting them. You see the same thing played out time and time again throughout the Word. But then there are times where, as a result of sin, of disobedience, of going against the Lord, being rebellious, so again, the sin nature, that 
the Lord lifts his covering. Uh, an example is in Ezekiel chapter 9, where, actually, we'll, we'll start with the end of chapter 8. And just to give a little background and context, in chapter 8, the Lord shows Ezekiel all these abominations that are happening inside the temple. I'll let you read them for yourselves, but there are at least eight abominations that, that are happening. And then at the end, in verse 18, he says, he's pronouncing judgment. He says, Therefore I will also act in fury. My eye will not spare, nor will I have pity. And though they cry in my ears with a loud voice, I will not hear them. Which is the exact opposite of what happened with the Philistines who had taken the ark in 1 Samuel. But then he says, this is Ezekiel reporting, he says, Then he called out in my hearing with a loud voice, saying, Let those who have charge over the city draw near, each with a deadly weapon in his hand. This is speaking to the angels. And suddenly six men came from the direction of the upper gate, which faces north, each with his battle axe in his hand. One man among them was clothed with linen and had a writer's inkhorn at his side. They went in and stood beside the bronze altar. Now, and this is verse 3, the glory of the, chapter 9, verse 3. Now the glory of the Lord, now the glory of the God of Israel had gone up from the cherub where it had been to the threshold of the temple. And he called to the man clothed in linen who had the writer's inkhorn at his side. And the Lord said to him, Go through the midst of the city, throughout the midst of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and cry over all the abominations that are done with it, within it. To the others, he said in my hearing, Go after him to the city and kill. Do not let your eyes spare, nor have any pity. Utterly slay old and young men, maidens and little children and women, but do not come near anyone on whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. So they began with the elders who were before the temple. So in this, we see the, the laws there. We see that the Lord has been a covering, that he has protected them, right? The pe all the people. However, because of the, the sin, the abominations that were being committed, mm -hmm. in verse 3 he says, he'd gone up from the cherub to the threshold of the temple. In other words, he, he lifted his covering from the people because of, again, spiritual laws at play. The sin that was being committed that, that actually removes us, is us stepping outside of his covering. Mm -hmm. And then we reap those things. But now to those that were righteous, that were following the Lord... They were still covered. They were still protected. They were still signed. They were sealed, right? Same as we just mm -hmm. saw in Genesis with Cain. Yes, he, there were things in motion. There were lost that emotion. But the Lord still put a seal on him. He was still covering him. He was still protecting him. He just wasn't allowed to remain in the, in the same place as the Lord. But then, it, and you can see in this, it fulfills all the scripture, Judgment starts in the house, right? Begin at the sanctuary. Those, in other words, there are, there are people that everyone commits sin. Mm -hmm. But there are those that should know better. Those that are believers, that are disciples of Christ, that, are, that have declared that he is Lord, that he is their Lord and Savior. He making the Lord their God and we being his people. 
we should know better. We should be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect. We should be aware of sin and not give in to his temptation. Yet the Lord is there, quick and ready to forgive when we come repentant. And then we can't trick God into that. Right. To, to, right Paul addresses that. He said, it's not let's eat, drink, and be, bar- and be merry. We can just ask for forgiveness, right? He's like, no, it's, that's not it at all. But we should strive to not sin. We should strive to remain in obedience and be pleasing to our Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. But also, just one last place, I want to go to, to Malachi 3, right? Because um, we already read it in verse 6 where he says, For I am the Lord, I do not change. Mm-hmm. Yet, therefore you are not consumed, right? Because he's saying in verse 5, He says, well, actually, we'll start in verse, verse 4, where he's talking about Israel's restoration. And he says, The offering of Jude and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord as in the days of old, as in former years. But he says, And I will come near, for you, near you for judgment. I will be a swift witness against sorcerers, adulterers, against perjurers, against those who exploit wage earners and widows and orphans, and those who turn away an alien. Because they do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. Right, But then he says, For I am the Lord, I do not change, therefore you are not consumed. It shows us, again, the Lord is there as our protector, mm-hmm. as our covering, as our shield, our buckler, our, our tall tower that we can run to. Because he, he is good. He is looking out for us. He is covering us. He is protecting us. Mm-hmm. Those that are in him, mm-hmm. in his will, being obedient, and diligent to be found in obedience and be pleasing to the Lord. And those are protected. Mm-hmm. Any, any questions or any comments? Anything anyone else wants to, to say or share? So let's reference sickness and disease specifically. Um, Jesus in uh, John 10.10 says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So what is that telling you? That's giving us the reference point. Is sickness and disease good for you? No. So if it's not a good gift, it didn't come from the Father, Amen. right? And if it's stealing or killing or destroying your life, it comes from the enemy. He tells us right there plainly how you can tell. Is this from God or not? If it's stealing, killing, or destroying, it's from the enemy. If it's good and it's producing life, right, that's from him because he gives only good gifts. Matthew 5 um, says that the Lord reigns on the just and the unjust alike. He gives everyone an opportunity. He does not, um, let's see, verse 45, that you may be sons of the Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. 
So he's a good God and he gives everyone a chance. He, he covers you until you take away his opportunity to do so. And in which case sin lies at the door and its desire is to have every human being and to steal from them, kill them and destroy their life and destroy their walk in relationship with the Lord. So Jesus has presented himself to all and God even presented himself to all. Jesus told them, I have sheep outside the flock of Israel that I must bring in, which tells us that there were people outside of Israel that believed God. Mm -hmm. You can see through the scriptures, there were people of all kinds of um, different ethnicities or backgrounds that were not Jews that had a relationship with God and loved him. Well, Abraham like a, was not I a was Jew. I was going to say, Abraham <laughs> himself was not a Jew. He came he from Ur Chaldean. of Chaldea. Yeah, he was a Chaldean. Or a Babylonian. Which is where Babylon was. So he wasn't a Jew. Jews weren't actually formed until a couple of generations later in Jacob, Israel. Right? He changed his name and then his children became the beginnings of the people, the group called Israel. Right? But they were still in Abraham. I mean, they were, they were his seed etc mm -hmm. etc and the seed of faith amen you know those um, who believe mm -hmm. so it's not about that god is good to everyone he gives everyone the opportunity however we talked about um how god told abraham the sin of the amorites is not yet full letting them know there you can fill it up or you can have it blotted out Living in iniquity means you keep piling sin on top of sin. You know what's right to do and you refuse to do it. Rebelliousness and piling it on top of each other. Living in iniquity and an iniquitous life, which is wickedness. God is like, I can't do anything about that. I'm not going to wink at sin and act like that doesn't happen. No, I'm going to take my covering back. And the destruction that now has been required and released because you have piled it up. I'll send up, right? You've earned this quote-unquote reward. The penalty of sin is death. You've earned this. Now the destruction is coming in because I'm removing my covering. And right. you saw that what you described to us in Ezekiel. Like, stamp mine. That belong to me. That are not in agreement with this sin. And nonsense. And Well, that was one part of Ezekiel. The second part is in chapter 18. We won't cover the whole thing because it's literally the entirety of the chapter he's talking about i'll say judgments and by judgments i mean there's a contrast of the righteous and, and the wicked and sin and what happens with each but what i think is important is uh, i mean all the entirety of the chapter is important but what i want to point out is starting in cha uh, chapter 18 Ezekiel 18, verse 25, where it says, Yet you say the way of the Lord is not fair. Hear now, house of Israel, is it not my way which is fair, and your ways which are not fair? When a righteous man turns away from his righteousness, commits iniquity, and dies in it, it is because of the iniquity which he has done that he dies. Again, when a wicked man turns away from the wickedness which he committed, and does what is lawful and right, he preserves himself alive because he considers and turns away from all the transgressions which he committed he shall surely live 
ye shall not die. And yet it continue, right? So in other words, right there it's establishing all men are equal. How, there are no favorites. He is not a respecter of persons. But again, he judges everyone according to their own works, which he, he clarifies in the next few verses. He says, yet the house of Israel says, the way of the Lord is not fair. O house of Israel, is it not my ways which are fair, and your ways which are not fair? Mm -hmm. Therefore I will judge you, O house of Israel, everyone according to his ways, says the Lord God. Repent and turn from all your transgressions, so that iniquity will not be your ruin. Mm -hmm. Cast away from all the transgressions which you have committed, and get yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. For why should you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of the one who dies, says mm -hmm. the Lord God. Therefore, turn and live. Mm -hmm. When we repent of our sins, we are bringing it under the blood. Mm -hmm. The blood that Jesus shed for us on the cross. Mm -hmm. The blood being a covering, again, a propitiation, a covering our sins not that we can go willingly committing them no. but that we can acknowledge hey lord we messed up we are repentant we are we're sorry we are repenting and being repentant is a turning from those actions and deeds mm -hmm. and coming back into alignment with the lord and yes he did shed his blood on the cross as a covering to wash us white as snow so even in that, we can see, again, the Lord's there as a covering, as a protector, but also that his desire is that we live. Absolutely. So if sickness and disease and weakness um, is... If the Lord were to teach by that, no one would live because we all sin all the time. And by all the time, I mean, it, no, that's not the, the goal, but we sin, right? It says that no man can say, uh, I don't sin. If he is, he's a liar, right? Mm -hmm. and he makes God a liar. <laughs> and he makes the Lord a liar, which yeah. he's not a man that he should no, lie. No, he's not. Right? But let, a great example of this is in Job. Mm -hmm. You can look at, especially the beginning of Job, where the Lord's not testing Job. Satan had to ask for permission to, to try Job because the Lord was protecting him. And even in everything that Job went through, the Lord didn't bring that upon Job. He allowed, he gave permission for the devil to, to try him, to test him, as it were. Right. So even the testing didn't come from the Lord. Mm -hmm. Those trials came from the devil. Now, even in there, boundaries were set. And when we go into this more, more in greater detail, I should say, in a, a teaching that's on the podcast already uh, called uh, The Purpose of Trials. Mm -hmm. So There's a part one and two to that. Yes, there is a part one and two. So we're not going to cover all that here, but please check it out. Um, mm -hmm. Just to, to understand the, the full context of what we're stating. But the short version is this, the Cliff Notes version, as it were, is 
sickness, disease, all that does not come from the Lord. Mm-hmm. He does not teach us by those things. <clears throat> but He only wants our good. He only provides good and perfect things. So, how does the Lord teach us? Okay. Um, the Bible says that we have an anointing from the Holy One. Amen. And He teaches us all things. And that's First John 2... Well, 1 John 2, verse 27. But the anointing which you have received from him abides in you, and you do not need that anyone teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. So he's talking about the Holy Spirit. He is our teacher. So if God wants to teach you something, you'll be learning through the Holy Spirit, not with cancer, not with poverty, not with any other kind of sickness and disease or um, destruction. or dis- that's, not, that's not God. He didn't teach you through depression or any of those kind of things. He sends his Holy Spirit, who is our comforter and our teacher, right, who guides us into all truth. He shows us things to come. He takes what belongs to Jesus and declares it unto us. And all things that God has, all those things are good. So if sickness and disease is something that you're facing in your life, resist it. Come under the blood of Jesus. Take your healing by faith, right? And cast that out because it doesn't belong to you as a child of God and it doesn't belong to our Heavenly Father. There's no sickness and disease in heaven. So why should we expect that he has given it to us here on earth? I believe the, the Lord's Prayer instructs us to declare on what on earth your kingdom come, your will be done on Amen. earth as it is in heaven. So if in heaven he wills and desires and declares that you are healed and well and healthy, and he's already done that for us in his son who himself bore our iniquities, right? He bore that for us, carried our pains and our griefs and our sickness and was stricken for us. By his stripes we were healed, then we are healed today. That is his best and that is his will today, yesterday, today, and forever. So on earth as it is in heaven is our our standpoint our stance and our commandment so if you're seeing those things give them back to where they belong send them back to the enemy and take your healing in jesus name amen any questions no okay who wants to close us out in prayer all right layla all right layla hey stop talking for her Layla, you tell me next time. You tell us next time. All right. Lord, I thank you for today and for your word, Lord, and just for the revelation that you've given my parents that they can share it with others, Lord, and bring your life to them, Lord, and spread the gospel and bring more people to you, Lord. And I thank you that they are my parents as well, Lord, and that they teach me and train me in the way that I should go, Lord. And... We just give you all the honor and the respect that is due to you, Lord, for you are God and God alone, the God who made heaven and earth, Lord, and that you rule it all, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 God bless you. Bless you all. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. 
We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.